0: Now we thought it all. Okay, so let's get into it. Episode 127. One twenty seven. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, <clears throat> as we are approaching, uh, you know, baseball and, you know, their whole, the MLB Player Association, the owners, they're trying to get together. To, they're going back and forth as far as uh, season length and game proposals. Uh, you know, the NBA, as we all know, is coming back late July. So... We got some we got some really big things ahead of ahead of us. But but this past week obviously certain people, certain brands, certain teams, certain owners, they just couldn't read the room. They couldn't they couldn't read the room. They couldn't feel the temperature in the room. And Roger Goodell, he came out with a press he came out with a with a statement. The NFL came out with a statement. A statement via, you know, social media. They came out with a, a hand, a, a letter statement, you know, one of those letter statements that, you know, just about every big brand, you know, every big time brand came out with around the country, around the world. They came out with a statement. And, like, we're behind black people before Black Lives Matter. But then, he comes out with this statement. And I had the video. He comes out with this statement. Mind you, um, many owners around the league, 31 owners Many owners did not know that this was coming. That this type of this that's this message was going to be put forth in Roger and with, with Roger Goodell and like you know they thought the letter was just the end all be all. Roger Goodell came out with a he did he went to the extra mile extra length and he came out with this. We the National Football League condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. We the National Football League. Admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier and encourage all to speak out and peacefully protest. We, the National Football League, believe Black Lives Matter. I personally protest with you and want to be part of the much needed change in this country. You get the point. Um, so, people, you know, a couple of people, you know, they could, people have been on me. They've been getting on me about the NFL. And I'm like, okay, yeah, they made a mistake. They made a mistake with it, with the the with the you know Kaepernick they're definitely there was definitely they definitely did cap Ka- colin Kaepernick wrong he was definitely good enough he was he yeah, he was a, he was a, he was talented enough to either have a job in the n f l or a starting job in the n f l when you look at some of these players when you look at some of these players, some of these quarterbacks that's in the league, they're like Colin Kaepernick's way way much more talented than him and has done more. Like, Colin, Colin, Ka- Colin Kaepernick got into a Super Bowl. He got to a Super Bowl and played in a couple of NFC championship games. So, he, he's, he, you know, he's proven. But, this is well needed. And a couple people, a pe- like I said, a couple people sent this, you know, they sent the NFL message to him. They're like, oh, now the NFL wants to come out and say it. Now the NFL wants to come out and admit they're wrong. I'm like, okay, first of all, deep breath. Please don't come at me with the animosity. I'm like, let's first, when people, because when, like, when people think, when people get things wrong, or when uh, when uh, when a typical, when a brand is wrong about something, or when a person is wrong about something, and then they come out and admit they're wrong about something, we all, we don't, we all attack, them. we're like, you see, we told you, you was wrong. We was, we like to, like to tell you so. We like to do the, I told you so phrase. But I'm like, hold up. This is good. This is this is good right here. First, they are admitting they did something wrong, and it's coming from the commissioner himself, Roger Goodell. There's you know since the you know since the Kaepernick thing, uh, there's been a multitude of players that come out about it, either they're pro Kaepernick or not really against it, and they say certain things like Drew Brees said. Which we're gonna to touch bases on, but they—it's been pro, either pro Kaepernick or, you know, nah, I'm not gonna kneel. I respect the flag too much, quote unquote. Uh, there's been, there's been teams and players and owners walking on eggshells with this whole situation with Colin Kaepernick and the kneeling situation. Since since then, there's been. Walking on eggshells, and then you know the it doesn't help <laughs> when the president is on when the president is on Twitter, and he comes like at the NFL like directly. It's not it's nothing indirect. No, President Trump on Twitter comes at the NFL directly, and all these all these uh, all these channels that 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 present the NFL. They're like, please, they're walking on eggshells. They were walking on eggshells. Fox, ESPN, CBS, NBC, walking on eggshells on Twitter with this with, 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 with it's like they was walking on a mine, a land a landmine, with any little step it, it it could be it could be an explosion. And Roger Goodell I think did a good job with first releasing this statement. Second, didn't have to tell all owners. All all of these owners didn't have to know about it, which I liked which I like because there was no there was no you know no persuasive factor there was no no pushback cuz I'm not going to tell you about it. Uh, there ain't going to be no pushback cuz I'm not going to tell you about it. So I, I I like so I like the way how he approached this whole situation. I think there's been some um some owners in 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 different teams that have been a little tone deaf. Um and some probably some players but definitely there's some owners that's been a little tone deaf. And Roger Goodell, he, he receives a lot of hate. I mean, he gets a lot of criticism. Never see hate. But a lot of criticism and a lot of people critique him. And rightfully so. That's what comes with the job. That's what comes with the territory of the job. He's the commissioner. Um, he's basically the leader and the commissioner of the biggest brand. A big, like As far as sports. The biggest sports league in, in, in the country. In the U.S. So of course it comes with the job, it comes with the territory. Criticism is gonna come, but it's been a lot of unfair criticism, and I've been I've been talking about this even with, with the way how the NFL has been dealing with the pandemic. I've been talking about how hey, Roger Dale, he's going to adapt. He's going to adapt. You want more points? People want more points. They want to see more. T- they want to see more touchdowns. The rules are now pro offense. All you know, most of these rule changes. Are pro offense. Most of these rule changes give the offensive talent in this league more opportunities to make big time plays. So he's adaptive. He's he's very much adaptive. He's very much adaptive. And you know they come. NFL came out. They've been they've been these last few weeks. They've been coming out. I'm not and I'm not trying to paint the NFL as this good as this good brand or good league. I'm not trying to paint that. Or, or draw that narrative, but what I am trying to do with with narrative, I am trying to uh, paint is Roger Dale is a adapt- he's adaptive. He's willing to listen to the players. He splits revenue with these people, with these players. He he the the players are the product. The players are the reason why uh, fans come to the games. The players are the reason why I talk about the NFL because the product. The the players are the product. The players are the product, and I think with Roger Dell coming out, standing by the players, standing with the product, these are my guys. I have relationships with them. I think says a lot, and I think um, you know them admitting that they were wrong on the, as far as they basically admitting that they was wrong about the Colin Kaepernick thing and the way how Colin Kaepernick got. It. The way how he lost his job and the way how he was not able to retain his career says a lot. For the NFL to come out and say, hey, we were wrong about this whole situation as a whole, coming from the commissioner and Roger Goodell, I feel like people are not walking on eggshells anymore. You know, the the league is not walking on eggshells anymore. It it, it seems like a burden has been lifted off their shoulders. And in, 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 you know you you could say oh he still the NFL is still yeah it still has its problems we I, I talk about those problems. Vic Vic, Vic Van came I I got on him and he came up when he came out and said hey there, there's no racism in NFL there's no discrimination in NFL bro yes it is yes it is but you got to move forward you can't you can't continue to say ah oh, we you like you, like first. The first thing to moving forward and, you know, going and going putting your best foot forward and going into a process is first acknowledging, hey, this is a problem. And then trying to solve something, trying to trying to figure out a way to counteract this problem and find a solution. So, you know, maybe the next step would be, you know, for a team to sign Colin Kaepernick. With the NFL coming out and saying, hey, we were wrong about Black Ball and Colin Kaepernick. We were wrong with, with not, we, we admit to being wrong with not standing with the players at such a crucial time. It says a lot. And I think, I, you know, to listen to players about police brutality and systemic racism, they were wrong about it. The NFL was wrong about it. Roger Goodell's admitting to the league's wrong. It makes sense. It makes sense. That the league is the league is showing you that they're trying to move in a different direction. If somebody or something is trying to move in a different direction, in a direction that you so desire, that we also desire, let it happen. But people, you know, they sending me the people, you know. Oh my gosh, there are a lot of people sending me the the you know the apology. I'm like, yeah, this is this is the right step. This is like this is the step to progress. So I'm not going to condemn them. I'm not going to say, ah, I got you. That's, that's what everybody does on Twitter. Go back and find old tweets five, six, ten years ago. and Like, ah, I got you. I caught you this, that. But I'm like, no, they're admitting to their wrong. Okay. That's the first step. Admitting to your wrong because you're not going to be able to progress and progress if you don't admit to your wrong. So okay, you gotta you gotta acknowledge the mistake they did that. Now they got now you gotta do some building blocks to getting getting to where you need to go and moving in a different direction. Simple as that. Simple as that. Now, uh, before I get on to an actual sports topic, I want to touch on one more thing. Drew Brees, his comment. Now, with jubilees, <clears throat> I was very surprised. I was very surprised with the comments of jubilees that that he made with the the comments that he made. It sounded like he was very tone deaf and I know his response and I, you know with these clips and these with these interviews and these clips and with social media, people can edit videos and then post it and make it seem like one way, and there's a different perception. Because if you listen to the question that was asked to Drew Brees, Yahoo Finance. If you listen to the question that was asked to Drew Brees, you would you would you, you could you could see why he answered it like that. Because it's like, how did we, to police brutality? How did you get to the flag and kneeling? Well, a question that was asked about the flag and the kneeling part. So Breeze, you know. Doing the Colin Kaepernick situation four years ago, about, about four years ago, roughly, he said the same thing. He, he 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 practically said the same thing. You know, it's a sign of disrespect to the flag and the soldiers that has fought for this country, obviously. But now, it's it it's never been about disrespecting the flag. It's never been about disrespecting the soldiers because I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of black people have. A lot of relatives and ancestors that fought in those wars, too. Even when they weren't, like, seen as a, quote-unquote, American citizen, they still fought for America. Besides the point, though, I think Breeze sounded completely tone-deaf to the situation that was going on. That's why when, you know, when his comments came out, that's why everybody... Backlash and nothing wrong with it. Rightfully deserved. deserved. it was it was deserved because the comments that he made just weren't <clears throat> they, they they weren't on point. They weren't on point. They weren't on point and you could say oh it's a dis but it's never been about that. It's about protect it's about protecting black people and first acknowledging that hey, police brutality, black people, there's a correlation there that this does not match up. That 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 just does not match up. There's a there's clearly a, co- a a correlation, and then the systemic racism that's been going on. Yes, we have laws in place. Yes, we have rights in place. But it's still systemic racism in this country. Discrimination in this country on a daily basis that happens to black people. And Drew Brees was not. It didn't seem like he was all the way there. But then when the black, when the back when the backlash came he understood and he came out with a press release he came out with a uh, a long i think a multiple paragraph apology on Instagram got it then he came out with a video apologizing and he want any he, and so once again this somebody and with Drew I always say this with when, when, in, in certain things like in certain things in this matter Drew, and this is why I was surprised, because Drew Brees in 2006, and that, that whole what happened to the city of New Orleans and Katrina, Drew Brees was, a, was really a pillar of the community. He was really a pillar of the community. And that was also a rough time, in, you know, and during that time, that was also a rough time in Drew Brees' career because he had the shoulder shoulder surgery, a lot of doubts, a lot of questions about whether or not he would ever be able to, like, throw Again or be, you know, himself again as a as a quarterback. But he gave back to that community. He's done so much in the New Orleans community where it was quite surprising that, you know, he didn't understand or didn't grasp or didn't hear the outcry as far as systemic racism with black people it was it was a bit surprising that and that's why i'm saying it was surprising because he's done so much he's a pillar of the community he's done so much in the in, in 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 these communities so you would think hey he would know but tone deaf tone deaf but with one situation like this with one situation like this obviously he was wrong obviously but Drew came out with his apology. He t- he's taking steps. Well, we got we still have to see. I still I still want to see because now I'm curious about what steps he takes as far as you know putting his best foot forward and trying to make this a better situation as far as systemic racism and how to end it. I want to see what what does he have in place. What are some future plans that he wants to do? Because he mentioned it in his apologies. He mentioned, you know, he wants to be a part of it. So I want to see. I want to now see him do that. I want to now. I want to now see him do that. And like I said, I, I, you know, Drew Brees. I was completely surprised. Um, but, but, came out with an apology. He came out since He 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 was very sincere, and I was, you know. I knew he was sincere, but I now want to see the actions and the protocol that he is calling for. I want to see those. Uh, I want to see those. I'll be back uh, after this quick break. We're going to talk about uh, the Cowboys. Yeah, the Cowboys. I got a Ford Mustang. It drives well. Got it for graduation, actually. Ford's unique family heritage, manufacturing excellence, and history of innovation is continuing to further the brand. Ford is also introducing new customer service actions aimed at making vehicle ownership easier and hassle free So go get your Ford today. Ford. Go forward. Okay, so the Cowboys. Troy Aikman came out and said, hey, this Cowboy roster is really good. And um, the offensive personnel, I like the offensive personnel of the Cowboys. I'm going to be honest. uh yeah. We I feel like we tend to overrate the Cowboys, and I respect Troy Aikman's opinion. You know, he's saying, "Hey, this Cowboy roster, uh, a lot of a lot of coaches, a lot of GMs would love to have this roster over their current roster right now." And I feel like you know, with the Cowboys, we we watch them just about every Sunday. We uh, they're on TV a lot. Like a cowboy, like a player. A player on the Cowboys isn't. It's is, it's not even equivalent to a good player on the Jaguars. Cause it's like it could be a good player. It it could be a great wide receiver down there in Jacksonville. We'd never know about him. We, we 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 wouldn't know about him. We wouldn't know about because it's, it's the Jaguars. They play in the AFC South. They're not good. They don't have a lot of national televised games. But a, a cowboy receiver, a good cowboy, we know him. We we all know him. We know that person Now We we probably follow him on social media. We all know them, and you know, it's it's not wrong with it, you know. But I just feel like we overrate the Cowboys roster, and it's it's not to say that they don't have good players because they're like their personnel, especially on offense. Their personnel on offense, it's 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 amongst the best in the league. But as you all know, or if you don't know, I you know I, if you're not a regular listener listener of this podcast, I think the Cowboys are a nine. I think they'll be a nine and seventeen this year, and I think they're finished second in the division behind the Eagles. So I, I feel like we 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 overrate them. We overrate them, and let me tell you this. Let me give you this. I'm going to name. The best, the, I'm going to name the Cowboys' best best players. I'm going to name the Cowboys' best players. And I'm going to tell you where I can stop. Where I can stop at. So the Cowboys, I think we can all agree, the Cowboys' best player is Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott is the, best, is the Cowboys' best player. The second best player in the Cowboys will probably be Zach Martin. Zach Martin would be a close Close first was Zeke, but I give the edge to Zeke. Uh, So both Zeke and Zach Martin. Zach Martin's probably the best right guard in football. Uh, You can make the argument that Zeke is the best running back in football. Uh, Then the next, I think the next one would be Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith, young middle linebacker, uh, one of the better linebackers in the league. I like Jalen Smith. That would be my third. Tom Smith. Tom Smith would be my fourth best cowboy. Uh, one of the better office. One of the better left tackles in the league. Not quite what he used to be, but still a, a still or still a really good player. Then I would have Amari Cooper, Demarcus Lawrence, and Leighton Vanderish. Then after that. Who's the Cowboys' best player? Who like like after when you talk Zeke and then you give them Zach Martin, Jalen Smith, Tom Smith, Amari Cooper, D- Demarcus Lawrence, Vanderish. Who's the who's the next best player? Dak, uh, Gallup. Who who who's the next best player? I, so. You know, and this is what I mean. We 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 watch Cowboys every Sunday. We, they come on every Sunday, and we we see them more. They're visible more, so we're able to we're able to adapt and adjust to them. But after Vanderish, and look at this, Lane Vanderish, he has chronic neck injuries. So I don't know. We don't we don't we don't know what like that all can. And you know, we we don't know what that can hold. The neck injuries with Vanderish—that ne- that, that seems like a problem because he had he had cert- he had past injuries of such in the past in college, but now last year, like late last year, he missed a lot. He missed a he missed just about late last year. He missed the second half part of the year due to neck injuries or a neck injury. Tyron Smith, like I said, great left tackle, but not what he used to be physically. Has chronic back issues. So, are the Cowboys, like, they have good players, but once you get past, like, and Demarcus Lawrence, another guy, big-time contract, but underperformed last year. Demarcus Lawrence underperformed last year. So, when you look at this team, I mean, they got Zach Martin, Zeke, and Amari, and Jalen Smith. They have young, talented players. It's like all of these players are practically in their prime, and they're young. But who's the next best player? Now, who's the next best player after Van Is it Dak? Is it Gallup? I, I would say Dak, maybe. Dak is the next best. I, I don't know. But look at this. Now, you know, you want to talk about rosters. I've picked up two rosters in, the, in, in in the in the league right now. Uh, Baltimore, let's look at the Ravens roster, so the Ravens roster, we got Lamar Jackson, Marlon Humphrey, Ronnie Stanley, now Lamar is one of the better, he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league, obviously, Uh, Marlon Humphrey, one of the best young corners in football, Ronnie Stanley, a really good offensive lineman. One of the he's a young emerging superstar offensive lineman. Then I have Earl Thomas, Mark, Marcus Peters, Mark Andrews, Matthew Judon, Mark Ingram, Calais Campbell, Orlando Brown. So when you look at the Cowboys, I mean when you look at the Ravens roster, Marlon Humphrey would definitely, Marlon Humphrey would be the Cowboys' best DB. He'd be their best DB by far. Then they have Earl Thomas, Marcus Peters. They have three guys. The, the Ravens in their secondary have three guys that would automatically start for the Cowboys because the Cowboys lack depth in who do they have in the secondary. A lot of their secondary guys are young. A lot of the secondary guys are young. Okay, I give you another roster. The Chargers roster. You know, they play second fiddle to L.A. They, they, in L.A., the Chargers play second fiddle to the Rams. But check out the Chargers roster. I've been talking about the Chargers roster since last year. But look at the Chargers roster. Look, listen to this Darren James, Joey Bosa, Keenan Allen, Melvin Ingram, Trey Turner, Mike Williams, Casey Hayward, Hunter Henry, Chris Harris. Austin Eckler. Some of those guys would start on the Cowboys. Darwin James, Chris Harris Jr., and Casey Hayward. All three DBs, all three guys, all three defensive backs would start for the Cowboys. Darwin James and safety. I I think Darwin James is the Chargers' best player. Uh, He missed missed a lot of last year, but uh, his upside, his potential... He's, he's clearly one of the better safeties in football. So when we talk about the Cowboys, uh, are they really that? Like, is their roster, is it that good? I don't know. I don't know. Like the Chargers, they got two good receivers, Mike Williams, uh, Keenan Allen, and then Austin Eckler, as far as running backs, he was probably the best receiving, he was, not probably, I mean, he was. Look at his numbers. He was the best receiving running back in football last year. He had 90 catches. <laughs> he was a running back, and he had 90 catches. So when we talk about, the, when we talk about the, the Cowboys roster, and when we look at it, you know, Troy Aikman, like I said, no disrespect, but is it really that good? I mean, as far as like upper... Because you look at the Ravens. The Ravens probably had the best roster in football. They probably had the best roster in football. And especially the Cowboys' glaring weakness is their secondary. And the Ravens and Chargers both have one of the better secondaries in the league. I would probably argue that the Ravens and the Chargers have the two best secondaries. Because I have... A good safety and I have a great safety in Earl Thomas. I got two really good corners in Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey in Baltimore. Not, not to mention Chuck Clark and Jimmy and Jimmy Smith in the secondary as well. And then with the Chargers, I have Darren James, Joey Bo. I have Darwin James, uh Casey Hayward, Chris Harris Jr. Oh, yeah, I forgot Desmond King. Desmond King is—he was an All-Pro corner the year before last. The year before last, Desmond King was an All-Pro corner. So, like, literally, the Chargers' whole secondary would start on the Cowboys. So, I don't know. I think we—I think we tend to overrate the Cowboys' roster. Um, Yeah, I think we tend to overrate the Cowboys' roster. I think it's a—I think it's a solid roster. I think it's a good roster. But I think we overrate it a little bit. I think we tend to overrate it. And I think it's I think it's like this every year. We look at the Cowboys roster, and they usually have really good players. Like the, the Cowboys usually have a list of really, really good players, and some players are elite. Like Travis, like uh Zach Martins, Ezekiel Elliott. Those are elite players at their position. Uh but Jalen Smith, you can probably put him at elite too. But they have a lot of good young players, but when you compare to some of these other rosters like the Chargers, the Ravens, especially their defensive personnel, the Cowboys' defensive personnel is not as good as people think. It's not as good as people think. So <clears throat> let's stick with the Cowboys. Um, Listen to the Cowboys. So Dak, this whole Dak situation, this contract, I'm over it. I, 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 I don't want to talk about it no more. I hope they just get a deal done or whatever, or I hope they get a deal done, or they just let Dak walk or whatever, or he plays under the franchise tag, because this Dak and contract and the Cowboys story, it's just so, it's so watered down. It is so watered down. But let's just say you give Dak one more year. You give Dak one more year, you're like, okay, Dak, you got uh, offensive personnel on your side, and let's just say Jason Garrett was the problem. You have, you have Mike McCarthy now, a Super Bowl-winning coach. You have a coach that, play, that coached Montana and Aaron Rodgers. You have, you have a coach that have been coaching great quarterbacks. I also find that uh, McCarthy and that Dak dynamic – uh, a bit interesting I found it a bit interesting But let me tell you something Dak has been In the league He's been a league since 2016 For his four years I've literally watched No, 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 no This is no over exaggeration I'm not over exaggerating this But I have watched just about every single I've watched about every single Cowboy game that Dak Prescott has played in the last four years. Since I've been in ninth grade, I have watched just about every Dak Prescott and Cowboys game. And, you know, I've been breaking Dak down. I have, I have, I, you know, I've gave, I gave you guys so many ins and outs on how I look at Dak and what I think of Dak as a quarterback. I've given you guys so many ins and outs. Dak. Dak is very hard to judge. Dak is Dak is really hard. He's a he's really hard to break down, because get this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you why he's diff- I'm gonna tell you why Dak is probably is probably the most difficult quarterback to break down, because as a young quarterback coming into the league, you know, as a GM or whatever, as a GM. Let's just list the things you need as a young quarterback to be successful. As a young quarterback to be successful, these are the things that you need, though that, that I think you need. You need a good old line. You need a good running game. Patient coach. Also, you need a, it, it also it would help if you have an offensive minded coach or a former quarterback that was a coach or a former quarterback that is your coach excuse me and then good weapons when you look at Dak and when you look at his four years with the Cowboys he's had all of these things he's checked all of these boxes came into the league he had a good old line he he, he had a good old line he had three all pro offensive linemen in front of him he had, he's had a good running game. He's had Ezekiel Elliott his entire career. He's had a patient coach in Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett, uh, I think he was a little too patient. He was too patient to a fault, I think, um, and many others <laughs> think, the, think the same thing. But he's had a patient coach in Jason Garrett. Also, Jason Garrett was a former quarterback, and, and he's an offensive minded coach. And then, lastly, he Dak has had so many weapons. Dak has had Cole Beasley, Dez Bryant, uh, Amari Cooper, J- Jason Witten, Gallup. Now Randall, I mean, now Ceedee Lamb. He has Random Cobb. He's had Randall Cobb. He's had turns. He's had uh, He's had so many weapons at his disposal. So that's what that's what makes it really hard to judge Dak, but. A sample size, a small sample size where you, can, where you can get at Dak is this. When you take out Tyron Smith, when Tyron Smith has his back injuries or when Zach Martin had his injury or when Zeke had his uh, judicial issue and problems and he missed six games, what did Dak look like? What did Dak look like without Amari Cooper? This thing, I mean, because I told you guys, as a young quarterback in this league, Those are the things that you need to succeed. Good O-line, good running game, patient coach, offensive-minded coach, and then weapons. Dak has literally had all of those things. He's literally has had all of those things, which is really rare. It's rare as a young quarterback coming into the league that you have O-line, good, good running game, check, patient coach, he had it, offensive-minded coach. He had that, and then weapons. Not a young, not a lot of young quarterbacks to come into the league and say I had that. It's it's very it's it's that's why it's hard to spot it. But for the, with a guy like Andrew Luck, I never understood why people gave Andrew Luck so much heat. I mean, Andrew Luck literally took a one in fifteen coach team to the playoffs back the back the back the back, the back years and got them to an AFC Championship game. Andrew Luck. It's not hard to spot how great Andrew Luck was. The year before Andrew the year Andrew Luck got drafted, the coach was 1 and 15. They had number 1 pick. They draft Andrew Luck. The next 3 years they go 11 and 5, 11 and 5, 11 and 5. Playoff game, playoff game, playoff game, AFC Championship game. It's not hard to spot great. Andrew Luck was clearly a great quarterback. He took a 1 15 coach team to 11 and 5. Three back-to-back years in an AFC Championship game, they had no business playing again. It's not hard to spot great. It's, it, it's not hard. But with Dak, you got... I mean, you have you have such a small sample size with him without Zeke, him with Noah Martin Cooper, him without Tyron Smith. We don't know... What Dak looks like without none of these pieces, we don't know what a, we don't know what he looks like. And the small sample size—the six games that he didn't have Zeke, the games that he didn't have Amari Cooper—that looked like a shell of himself. Dak did not look like a, he didn't look like a top tier quarterback with those, with those, without those pieces. He don't look like a top. He don't look like a top tier quarterback. The money that he's asking for, the monies that he's asking for, the way how he looks without those pieces like Zeke and Amari Cooper and a and a left tackle, he's not worth it. He's not worth it, and that is why it's very hard to judge Dak. That's why it's very hard to judge Dak. It, it it's 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 completely. I think he's probably the hardest quarterback to judge. He's by I think he's by far the hardest quarterback. To really break down and judge. Because as a young quarterback in this league, it is very rare. Especially when you're drafted early. I mean, look at the young quarterbacks in the league today. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Deshaun Watson. Like, Joe Burrow. Take Joe Burrow for a second. Joe Burrow is going from LSU where he had the best supporting cast with the best receivers the be, you know, one of the better defenses and a good offensive-minded coach in Joe Brady. He's going from that to the hellhole I like to call Cincinnati. He's going to Cincinnati where we don't know if Zach Martin can coach. Oh Well, not Zach Martin. We don't know if Zach Taylor can coach. They had the absolute worst roster in football because they had the number one pick this year. Plus, the last two years, they've had historically, the last two years, the Bengals historically has had the worst defense in NFL history, historically and statistically. They've had the worst defense in the last two years in league history. That's what Joe Burrow's going to. Oh, oh Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, take this. I like cause I like Deshaun Watson. And he's and he's a really good quarterback, he's a star quarterback, and he's gonna get paid big bucks. In the next coming years, next even next year, probably next year, he's gonna get big he's gonna be seeing some big dollar signs. Because look at what Deshaun Watson has inherited in in, 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 in Houston. Yeah, he's had DeAndre Hopkins, okay. He's had DeAndre Hawkins. Don't have him anymore, though, because, you know, <laughs> Bill O'Brien got rid of him for a bag of chips. Deshaun Watson's bad. He's had bad O-lines. He's had bad, bad, de- I mean, defenses, bad. And then Bill O'Brien, how good a, I mean, as a coach, I guess I can't argue how good of a coach he is, but I do question his judgment. But as a GM, How good is Bill O'Brien? Bill O'Brien is not a good GM. Hasn't drafted well. I mean, hasn't drafted well at all. And quite frankly, he hasn't had the picks to draft anybody because he trades them all away. So, you know, with Dak, it's, you know, it's so many young quarterbacks in, in the league that go into situations that is an absolute hellhole. And we don't talk about it. We like we don't talk about like Gardner Minshew. Garner Minshew Garner threw for twenty one touchdowns and six interceptions, but we do not talk about Gardner Minshew because he plays for the Jaguars and literally the Jaguars are trading all of the all of the great, all of the solid players that the Jaguars had. They traded them away for peanuts, and it, it, the only solid players that they still have is DJ DJ Chark. And uh, Leonard Fournette. Everybody else is gone. They shipped everybody else out of town. So with this Dak thing, you know, people say, you know, I heard Michael Irvin say he's been severely underpaid. Like I said, in this league, you can't pay guys for what they did. You have to pay guys for what they're going to do, what you see them doing in the foreseeable future, not for what they did or You know, you have to pay them for what's to come. You know, you have to pay them for what's to come. And it doesn't matter that he's been underpaid. A lot of people are being underpaid. There's so many people in the world, in society, that's being underpaid. So, you got to get over that, 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 that point. Oh, Dak is being underpaid. Dak is being underpaid. Yes, he's definitely outperformed his fourth round contract. But there's so many other professions in this world that's being overpaid. Somebody can make the argument that teachers are underpaid. If they're a really good one, yeah, they are. But um, it's really hard to break down that. Now, as promised, I have my quarterback tiers. I have my quarterback tiers. And speaking of quarterbacks, speaking of quarterbacks, I have my quarterback tiers, my tiers list right here. Now, I know, I'm aware that I've been doing this quarterback tiers. I've been doing this for a while. Um, I, I have episodes where I list quarterback tiers, and I have a tier. Like, I think I came out with one not too long ago, probably about a month ago, probably about a month or two ago. But this is my updated one. This is my updated quarterback tier. And I like how, I, like, I like how it looks. I like how it looks. I like how this quarterback tier list looks. I'm going to give it to you right now. Okay, so my quarterback tier list consists of categories such as Elite, Borderline Elite, Slash Great, Star, Star Potential, Solid Starter, Slash Talented, Serviceable, and then Below Average. So my elite group consists of four quarterbacks. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson. I don't think those are debatable. I don't think those are arguable. I think most people, if we were to do a draft and we was drafting quarterbacks, I think those would be like the first four quarterbacks that would be taken first. I think that that would probably be the first four taken first. Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson. Now, my borderline elite group slash great group consists of Brady, Wentz, Brady, Carson Wentz, Deshaun Watson, and Drew Brees. Drew Brees, Brady—they're the older guys. They're the older vets. Um, they only got a couple. They only got probably a year or two left in them. But I still think they're a pretty. I think that I think on any given Sunday they can have an elite Sunday, an elite game. But throughout the increment of the season, throughout throughout the season, they may they may have some weak points. But I think they're still pretty good. And then you have some young guys like Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson. I think Deshaun Watson, winning in the playoffs, I think, would elevate him to that elite level. Uh, I know Lamar hasn't won in the playoffs. Uh, He, you know, neither. But Lamar, league MVP, he's dynamic. The way how he makes people miss is is crazy. With Deshaun Watson, I want to see him... um, Get to the playoffs again. Hopefully, uh, it doesn't help when his O line is average and when his defense is average. It's average. It, that doesn't help. But you know, one more year, I think Lamar, I think he could definitely be in the elite group. And the same for Carson Wentz. Now, I know people say, "Ah, oh, Carson Wentz, don't love him." I like Carson Wentz. I'm a big fan of Carson Wentz. I'm bigger on Carson Wentz than I think. What I think some people are. Some people don't think he's pretty that good. Some people don't think he's that good. I think he's pretty good. I think he's talented as far as his arm, uh, his mobility, his his foot, his his feet work, his footwork. I think it's really I think it's really good. I think I like Carson Wins' talent a lot. He just have to stay healthy. Health is the issue. I think like when 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 we talk about Carson Wins, it's not like a talent issue. It's health. Can he stay healthy? But I think Carson Wentz is a really good talent. I think he's a really good talent. And he's shown us he can play at an MVP-type level. He's shown us he can play at an MVP-type level. So I like Carson Wentz um, more than I think some would. I have him in my borderline elite group. Slash great. Now, my star group consists of Matt Ryan, Jimmy Garoppolo, Ben Roethlisberger. Question mark on Big Ben because of health. But with Jimmy Garoppolo, it's pretty self-explanatory. If you have any questions about Jimmy Garoppolo, any questions or concerns, it's pretty self-explanatory. He's 21-5 as a starter. He's 21-5 as a starter. Green, you can say San Francisco and Kyle Shanahan and the, and the roster, you can the defense, you can say that. But they've had this defense. Most of these pieces that they had on defense, they have had already and they weren't winning games jimmy garoppolo's on the roster they're damn near unbeatable so i like jimmy garoppolo i think he's a star i don't think he's in that elite group but he threw for 27 touchdowns in a run first offense he's 21 and 5 as a starter as a starting quarterback I don't think there's no debate here. And then, you, and then you, you might say, oh, he lost to Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. That's no shame. It's Patrick Mahomes. Um, and then with Matt Ryan, I think, I think Matt Ryan, I've been so, I, I haven't been critical of him. But with Matt Ryan, he's not quite Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or none of those guys. But he's not average either. If you look at his career, I do this with Matt Ryan. With quarterbacks like Matt Ryan, I do this like, I do, I do, I do, I do it like this. I take away his best year, and I take away his worst year, and I look in between those years. The in-between years between the worst and his best, you look at the in-between, he's a B quarterback. So he's a B-plus quarterback. He's a B-plus quarterback that had one A year. He had he had one MVP year. But throughout his entire career, he's a B-plus quarterback. So in my star potential, I have Josh Allen, Kyle Murray, Tua Tungvaloa, Jerk Goff, and Drew Locke. Now, t- now take this. I have Josh Allen here. Big arm, big kid, mobile, athletic. Buffalo design runs for him. I think he will only get better this year because Buffalo went out and, and acquired Stephon Diggs, which I think you would think that would help out Josh Allen. A deep threat like, like Stephon Diggs, with uh, with uh, with a quarterback that has a, a that has a cannon like Josh Allen, I think that will only help him. He has to win playoff games now, but he's a little bit raw mentally. But uh, he's a great talent. Kyler Murray, similar to Buffalo, I think Kyler Murray in Arizona will have a better year this year. They added DeAndre Hopkins, so Kyler Murray will have another. He he's gonna have another deep threat to throw to. I think I, I, I think I think Kyler Murray has a breakout year. I think he has star potential written all over him. Tua Tagovailoa, I like what Brian Flores has done with the Miami roster. I like what he's done with the Dolphins roster. He's completely overall and turned around in that Miami Dolphins roster. I think Tua, he's, a, he, he's I see a lot of Steve Young in Tua's game. Probably not as mobile as or as athletic, but I see a lot of Steve Young attributes with Tua Tagovailoa. That's why I like him. I think the receiving core in Miami is interesting. I like the running backs that they have added, um, and Jordan Howard and Matt Breida, and then they have a rebuilding offensive line. So I like the route and the direction that Tua and the Dolphins are heading, and it seems like he's pretty healthy. Uh, Jared Goff. I'm a little questionable about Jared Goff. I put him in star potential because he did take the Rams to the Super Bowl. He has shown up in big in some in some big spots, but we got to see. Last year he struggled. Last year because he's not really mobile and the offensive line was a problem. So the the Rams have to make sure they keep a solid offensive line in front of him. But I I see Jared Goff as probably a more talented version of Matt Ryan as far as arm. Like, he throws a nice deep ball. So, I got him at star potential. And then Drew Locke. People are not talking about Drew Locke. This is a, this is probably surprising, but people are not talking about Drew Locke. I think Drew Locke has the potential to be a Dark Horse MVP. I have a podcast about, I have an episode about this. Uh, I think I did this two weeks ago, or last week, two weeks ago, I talked about Drew Locke. And I talked about why I think he could possibly have a breakout year similar to, similar to Lamar or Patrick Mahomes. He has a rebuilding. He has a, he has a solid offensive line in front of him. He has Cortland Sutton, who was really good last year. The Broncos went out and drafted Jerry Judy. The Broncos also had two really good running backs in Philip Lindsey and Melvin Gordon. Not to mention, they drafted Noah Font. Noah Fant. Noah Fant is an emerging star at the tight end position. So, he has Elway as, a, as his executive. He has a solid O-line in front of him. He has two, he has two good receivers. And Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. And then Noah Fant at the tight end position with two good running backs. I think Drew Locke... Has the potential to have an mVP type year I think he's a dark horse MVP candidate this year that nobody is talking about, so that's why I have drew Locke at star Potential going into the 2020 season Now, this next group is my solid starters slash talented because these some of these ta- some of these quarterbacks are very talented, but we kind of know who they are. Some of it is their fault. Some of it is not their fault. It's because of the roster and the team and the franchise that they play for. But this is, the, this is probably the most difficult group to judge. And it's by far my largest group. Now, my solid starter, these are my solid starters and my talented quarterbacks. This is my tier for them. Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, Joe Burrow, Ryan Tannehill, Pat Baker Mayfield, Philip Rivers, Nick Foles, Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold, Garner Minchu. Those are my solid starters slash talented quarterbacks. Now, let's talk about Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford was the most talented. He was the most sought-after high school quarterback. He was the most sought-after college quarterback. And he was number one overall draft pick in in the NFL. Matthew Stafford, his talent is not really the issue. It's a little bit of his decision making. Uh, He's not really doable. He tends to get hurt at times. And let's just be honest. The Lions aren't a great franchise. They aren't well ran. So that kind of hurts him too. But let's be honest. Let's also be honest on the flip side with Matthew Stafford. He's never won the NFC North. He's, he hasn't, he's never won a playoff game. God knows how long it's been he's been in the playoffs. So with Matthew Stafford, yeah, he's a great talent. And he's a great starter. He's a solid starter. But the results aren't... There's not enough results with Matthew Stafford. There's not enough results at the end of the day. There's, a, there's not enough results... With Matthew Stafford. So that's why I have him um, not in the star. I don't have him as a star. I have him in the solid starter. In the talented. Because he's talented. But he don't have the results. He, we already know what he is. And he's, and he's been the league for nine seasons. He's been the league for nine seasons. We know who we have here. Or ten. Ten. Yeah, he's been the league for ten. Ten years. We know who Matthew Stafford is. Kirk Cousins, once again, a solid starter. He puts up good numbers, but he has a good roster around him. He has a good roster around him. He has a good roster around him in Minnesota. But we all know Kirk Cousins, is he's hes not a big-time, prime-time guy. Kirk Cousins, 1 o'clock, I'd take him. But Monday Night Football, 8.30, nah, I'm good. i pass on Kirk Cousins. Sunday night 8:30. Um, I'm good. I passed on Kirk Cousins. I I passed. Prime time and big moments, he don't come up. He don't show up. And, you know, people going to say, "Oh, he, he won the playoff game last year." A broken clock is right twice a day. So, <laughs> a broken a, a broken clock is right twice a day. So, yeah, I mean, occasionally he might win one prime time game out of what? Six? Not good enough. Uh, Dak with that, I talked about Dak early in the in the podcast, early in this episode. I mean, Dak, he is what he is. He's had a good O line. He's had good weapons. He's had a good running game. He's had an offensive minded coach. Even with Jason Garrett, Jason Garrett was very patient. He was probably Jason Garrett was patient to a fault. But now he has Mike McCarthy, so we'll see what Dak does. Uh, Joe Burrow, I think he's a. I, I don't think he's Joe Montana or Tom Brady or none of these people that they try to compare him to. I don't think he's that. But I think Joe Burrow, I think he's a I think he's a solid quarterback. I think he could I think he's going to be a solid quarterback, but he plays in Cincinnati. That says enough. Ryan Tannehill, I think will come back down to earth. Yes, he had a great he had a phenomenal year last year, but I think Ryan Tannehill will come back down to earth next year. He'll come back down to earth next year. Baker Mayfield. Baker, I like Baker a lot. Oh, well, let me not say that. (laughs) Because if you listen to this podcast and you're a regular listener to this podcast, I've been very critical of Baker. But Baker, I think is going to have a bounce back year this year. I think he's going to lead the Browns to the playoffs. And I think he's going to have a bounce back year this year. Phillip Rivers, he's Phillip Rivers. He's older He's not mobile. He turns the ball over a lot. That's why he's in my solid starter. I think he's not. He's not. He's not below average. But I think he's a solid starter. I think he can still with this with this coach team. He's going to win some ball games. Nick Foles, I think he's a solid starter, but he played in Jacksonville last year. That w- that didn't help. Sam Donald, s- similar to Matthew Stafford. He's a great talent, um, but the Jets as an organization is dysfunctional. They're just so dysfunctional, and they haven't been able to get it right. And they're trying to build around Sam Donald, but they they still have to see if he's the guy or not. And then Garner Minshew plays in Jacksonville. He does, His organization is dysfunctional. His franchise is dysfunctional. He puts up decent numbers, though. Puts up decent numbers, and then da- and then Daniel Jones, I like Daniel Jones. Uh, the Giants, it seems like they're trying to move in the right direction. Uh, I think it'll still be. I think he have a. Pre- I think he have a pretty decent year, but I think it'll still be a year or two before Daniel Jones really pops. Okay, and then in my serviceable category, I have Teddy Bridgewater, Dwayne Haskins, Ty Bar Taylor, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Derek Carr and Justin Herbert. Now Teddy Bridgewater, I like him a lot. I think he's a really good kid. He, he shows really good leadership qualities around the locker room. Like if you want a bit, like he's what you want as far as a quarterback and his demeanor. He never looks down. He never. He, he like he just he's just a good leader. Now as far as the talent, he doesn't have the strongest arm. He's not as mobile. He's had some knee injuries. He's recovered well, but there's some limitations to Teddy Bridgewater. But I still like him. I like Teddy Bridgewater, but he has some limitations with his arm and with, and with his athleticism. So I think he's still a serviceable quarterback. And Carolina, I think with him, would you, they'd be just fine. With the weapons that they have in Carolina, they'd be just fine, I think. Uh Dwayne Haskins, he played he played a little bit last year. He played some of last year. It's kind of hard to judge him because it was such a sample it was such a it wasn't a huge sample size. Plus the Redskins don't do him no justice as far as a franchise. It's dysfunctional. So, we got to see more, but for now going into the 2020 year, I got him as serviceable. Uh Tyvon Taylor Tyrod Taylor is a serviceable quarterback. I've talked about this on plenty of occasions. You can go back and listen to it on a couple episodes. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, if, 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 if it turns out that, like, if the Dolphins don't think Tua is healthy enough to start or play, Ryan Fitzpatrick is serviceable enough where he can keep, he, can, he will be able to keep Miami competitive. He'll be able to keep Miami competitive and they'll win a few games. Derrick Carr. Um I I'm not so I'm not so sure about the temperature in the room with Derrick Carr as far as Oakland well, as far as the Las Vegas Raiders with John Gruden and Mike Mayock, they don't really seem too sold on him, but I think he's I think he's still serviceable. Um and then Justin Herbert. I got to see. He was a little bit raw. I still have my questions about him coming out of the draft. Now the team that he's on with the Chargers, that roster is loaded. That Chargers roster is really loaded and he has some and he has some weapons to play around with, but let's see what he let's see, let's see what he is. I think as far as his talent, he's a 6'6 quarterback who's mobile, who has a who has a strong arm. It seems like all of these kids, all of these people, all of these young quarterbacks have really like enormous talent. So we have to see what he turns into. Let's just see what, what Justin Herbert turns into. And then as far as my start, and then, you know, the below average quarterbacks, Mitch Trubisky, Josh Rosen, they don't, they, 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 you know, their teams their their teams have either traded for their replacement or drafted their replacement. Josh Allen, it didn't work in Arizona. Arizona moved off of him, drafted Kyle Murray. Uh goes to Miami. Miami it was kind of a tough situation. They drafted Tua. Tua was their guy. So Josh Rosen, mm, below average. And then Mitch Trubisky, he wins a lot of games. Um, he wins. He's nineteen and ten as a starter. Nineteen and ten as a starter. But as far as his accuracy, his arm, he's he's a one trick pony. He's athletic and he's mobile. But he, he, you know, as far as a, a quarterback and making decisions. Um, Mr. Bisky there is there is some limitations. There is limitations in Matt Nagy. Every time he calls a play or draws up a play, he has to cross his fingers that Mr. Bisky makes the right play. So, um, uh, and they in the Bears draft they went out and traded for Nick Foles. So that says a lot. And they declined Mr. Bisky's fifth year option. So, wishing the best of luck. But he's below average. So these are my quarterback tiers going into 2020. These are my guys going into 2020. My quarterback tiers. So uh shout out to um all the people that are still here. Shout out to uh everybody that is listening to this podcast. Shout out the um shout out the the people that's sitting on the front line, shout out to all the protesters. Shout out to, um, environment and service. Shout out to the barbers. Shout out to all the petitionists, petitions. Um, excuse me. Shout out to everybody that has been, um, that is shout out to everybody that's been aware and that's been protesting all week for the last two weeks. Continue to do so. Continue to spread awareness and let your voice be heard. Uh, this has been a good one today. This has really been a good one today. I enjoyed this a lot. Um, uh, I enjoyed this a lot. I enjoyed this a lot. This is really good. This is a really good pod. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I catch you guys. We're gonna get back on our regular schedule as the NBA season, as as sports is slowly starting to come back. We're gonna get back to our regular schedule, three podcast episodes a week. Um, I think this is about that. Wraps it up. Thank you guys for listening and tuning in. Always remember: two choices, one decision. I'm out. Peace. Deuces. Continue to listen and stream this podcast.